0: Summer has fully arrived and I love it so much. I finally got a new cut and color. My hair is a fiery, fiery ginger nail. Is this in preparation for a hot girl summer? (laughs) I sincerely doubt it. <laughs> I am actually thinking of taking June off from social media, including the dating apps. But, you know, I'm going to be honest, the way these 40 plus ovulation cycles are set up, I don't know. I might have to, I don't know, get some strange every now and then. I, um, we'll see. Anyway. I want to focus on some writing projects that are really important to me that I just have not settled down to do, and social media is a major distraction. I'm sure I'm going to pop up to share some good news and obviously share new episodes of this illustrious podcast, but otherwise, I hope to use the month of June to gather myself. And speaking of gathering myself, I recently took a break from listening to my my number one boo hosier, you know, I I started to feel a little self-conscious about how much I was listening to him. Like I was going to sleep listening to him. And then I would, you know, during the day I would be listening to him. I mean, there's really, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I did not want to become numb to his lyricism or his voice or his beautiful, luscious hair, those long fingers, his height, the beard thoughts of what that nose would do. Anyway, you know how everyone shares their end of the year Spotify listing stats, right? So I had done that at the, you know, at the end of last year and someone who was operating a Hosier Stan account, by the way, got on Twitter and was like, wow, that's too much even for me. Okay. Well, fuck you. Sorry. But it really did get under my skin a little bit. (laughs) And I was like, am I obsessed with this dude? You know, like, was I forsaking other music just to get my hoser jollies off? I was concerned that maybe that wasn't very healthy. Prince is the most influential musician of my life. But ever since his death, it's been really hard for me to listen to him in the same way. So I started to wonder if I was turning to Hosier in my grief and perhaps had gone a little overboard. I love Hosier and I love Prince, but I always want to hold on to myself and not let my appreciation of their music turn me into something irrational. Today's guest knows all about what happens when fandom can get a little too much. Vanessa Willoughby is a writer and editor and former boy band stan. So we get into all of the good and the bad parts of that parasocial relationship that happens between artists and their audiences. This episode is sponsored by Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is a subscription cocktail service that helps you learn how to make hand crafted cocktails right at home. Every box comes with enough ingredients to make 3 different cocktail recipes developed by world-class mixologists. All you need to do is buy one bottle of that month's spirit and you have all you need to make 12 drinks at home at just $40 to $50 per month plus the cost of the bottle. This is a super cost-effective way to enjoy craft cocktails and you can skip or cancel boxes at any time. Invite some friends over, Class up your nightcaps or be the best house guest of all time with your Shaker and Spoon box. Get $20 off your first box at shakerandspoon.com slash this is good. That's shakerandspoon.com/slash this is good.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Vanessa Willoughby, and I'm a freelance writer and editor. And today we are going to talk
0: about being a boy band stan, (laughs) 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 where you identify as former. And we'll get into all the former stuff. But um, I guess I want to know, how old were you? When did your fandom begin and what group was it?
1: So I guess like... 5th grade that's when the whole kind of early 2000s late 90s pop boy band explosion really started to like take flight i just remember being in like 5th grade and one of the first like singles i bought on my own was uh Britney Spears and then i think she was on tour with NSync so that just led to my interest in um NSync and anything to do with them so i think i was around like 12 or 13 at the time and like the internet had just taken hold so all mm. these things were kind of like percolating and combined together to ignite my like fandom and obsession with these pop bands
0: <laughs> okay so NSYNC was maybe the first like boy band that you kind of latched on to
1: I did like the Backstreet Boys I think they came out before NSYNC mm-hmm. but Once NSYNC came along, I kind of paid BSB dust and was all about (laughs) (laughs) NSYNC. (laughs) What was it about NSYNC that pulled you away from
0: Backstreet Boys?
1: Um, I think with NSYNC, I just liked their music more. Like looking back now, I feel like they experimented more with like genres and different sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really appealing to me because also during that age, I was obsessed with TRL and uh, 106 and Park Mm -hmm. on BET. So I would come home every day and rush to watch those shows. And both of them, you know, as a young person growing up in Connecticut, which is where I'm from, um, it was a really small town, very white. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, not a lot of diversity, and watching both those shows like exposed me to a lot of music and other pop culture interests that, you know, people weren't really interested in <laughs> in the schools that I went to or what I was seeing when I went out in my my neighborhood, in my town. And so how did you find
0: other fans? Because um, you talked about this was kind of like right around the time that the Internet was really like taking off and mm-hmm. blowing up. So were you using the Internet? Were you in chat rooms or how were you connecting to other fans and also kind
1: of like finding a community? You know, two of my best friends growing up were also into um, boy bands and NSYNC. So, you know, I talked to them a lot about my (laughs) obsessions, (laughs) but I think I was a bit more into it than they were. Like I was the type that would like cry, you know, watching them, whereas they were just kind (laughs) of casually <laughs> interested in this stuff, but I definitely was, you know, on the internet and probably a little bit too young to be <laughs> going on the <laughs> the chat rooms and sites that I was on. But I had my own like NSYNC fan page that I ran. Uh, It was either GeoCities or like Yahoo or one of those like hosting services. Um, So I had one of those and I was also writing fan fiction when I got (laughs) a little bit older. Um, So I found most of, you know, my fellow boy band fans through uh, websites or like fan fiction communities Um, So what
0: was it about NSYNC and then I guess eventually other boy bands that
1: would overwhelm you to the point of tears? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I couldn't probably like pinpoint it or identify it when I was a tween or like even a teenager, but like. I guess that was like really my first exposure to, like, I don't know, being in touch with my sexuality and like. Right, just, yeah. I don't know. I guess it was just like their dance moves and <laughs> <laughs> the, the suggestiveness of like what they were doing on stage. That really, like, uh, got to me.
0: <laughs> so
1: were were they suggestive? Okay, so, like, <laughs> at this point,
0: I, in 2000, I was 23. So I was a little too old for that particular iteration of boy bands. I grew up with New Edition. And New Edition, def, like, that was my first concert. Um, and it's interesting to me in the ways that boy bands, like, the Jacksons, the Jackson 5, mm-hmm. um, and then there was like a little bootleg, f- Another well, not bootleg, I don't want to say that because I don't want to disrespect their legacy, but there was another like clearly Jackson ripoffs called the Silvers, I think, that was like a family of, of boys that were musicians, and then the New Edition legacy or whatever. And then after New Edition, there was like Immature and, you know... Um, was like B2. Oh my God, B2K. I love yes. them too. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just interesting to me. And even like Menudo, mm. um, which was, uh, I think like a, a Latin um, boy band that kind of rotated. And, and you know, uh, once they hit a certain age, the boys would like come out of, they would yeah. pull the boys out of the group because they were no longer like, you know, teenagers are appealing to teen girls. And so
1: anyway. That was the one that uh, Ricky Martin Yes, for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But like
0: basically the boy bands of color are not considered boy bands. Um, it was mostly the in sync, backstreet boys. What was that other one with the I think they had like an Amber Crombie and Fitch song? What was this song? Oh, you know LFO.
1: Yes, yes LFO. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's only it's only, I feel like, with the K pop bands like BTS that bands of color groups of color are being put into like the boy band category. Yeah. I don't know. It's just so it's interesting to see you talk about the suggestiveness of their dance moves when I was just like were they being suggestive on stage? I don't <laughs> I don't think so because I feel like The reason why the black groups weren't considered boy bands, it's like, you know, the adultification of black children Mm -hmm. and they, you know, it's not so much that they looked older because they were like teenagers. They were like 12 and 13 when they first started too, but it was still something like they don't get really included in that boy band category. And I wonder why do you think we do not consider New Edition or B2K or, you know, uh, these other groups? boy bands they're just groups
1: yeah I mean that's a really interesting topic and like I definitely wasn't thinking about it that way when I was younger but I was I really did like um b2k and I mean they Mm -hmm. weren't really a a boy band but like I was into 112 Mm -hmm. um what was the other group that Marcus Houston was in for a little bit yeah immature yeah immature I like them (sighs) um But yeah, I was really into NSYNC and I think that was just because of where I grew up, you know, mainstream pop culture of the town I was in and, you know, Connecticut was pretty whitewashed and (laughs) pushing a narrative that was more geared towards white boy bands and just whiteness as a common thing to consume. So I think it has to do with like the way our culture is focused on you know, white people first and foremost. And I guess like, you know, with pop culture at that time, it was all about white pop stars. And even though like shows like TRL or I guess like Canadian channels had like the much music countdown, yeah. Uh But I feel like, you know, genres, especially when it came to like black musical acts, there wasn't like a lot of crossover, I guess, in the Mm. way that it is now with the internet and how a lot of music has just become, or a lot of music scenes have just become like intertwined together. I feel like back when, you know, I was younger, it was a bit more separated and there's a division. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So like the history of boy, well, not just boy bands,
0: but Also, I don't know, teen stars that, you know, taking over mainly teen girl, American teen girls' minds goes back for, you know, a really long time on like the fifties and sixties. and Oh, teeny boppers. Yeah, teeny boppers. (laughs) But I'm thinking like, uh, like people who end up on like tiger beats and stuff like that, you know, these, you know, these crushes that everyone would have and how for the, Boys at the time through like the 60s and the 80s, even into the 90s with like home improvement and the the little teens on there and stuff like that. The boys, they were considered like teen idols. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. The teen idols were considered, you know, safe enough because they Mm -hmm. had like, you know, kind of soft, still baby kind of feminized features, um, but they were still supposed to be boys, right? They were still Mm -hmm. like doing these spreads with their shirts off or like, uh, you know, on skateboards or doing something ridiculous like that. So considering all of that, like the teen idols had to be kind of femme, but Mm -hmm. also boys. What, we're going back to the sexualization stuff, what exactly were they doing on stage that would just drive <laughs> the teen hormones wild?
1: <laughs> okay, so I specifically remember I think it was the the no strings attached tour. And they put out a concert video, which, of Mm -hmm. course, I promptly bought as soon as I had enough, like, allowance money to buy it. (laughs) Um, And they had a song called Digital Get Down. I'm sure all the NSYNC fans remember this one. Um, But it was, like, pretty scandalous for, you know, middle school me at the time because the song basically is about having cyber sex. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You know that flew over my head at that time even though I was on the the internet and in chat rooms and probably talking to like Men that were actually like 50 years old. (laughs) But you know, I didn't like that, didn't click for me when I was listening to the song. Like, I knew there was like something scandalous about it, but I didn't know, oh, hey, this is about like having cyber sex. Uh, But they performed that song in the concert video, and the dance routine they had, there's one part where they like get down on the stage and lick the floor. (laughs) What? What? And they like, they, like, thrust their hips, too, while they're doing it. And the stage that they had was, like, I don't know what it was made out of, but it was clear. So mm-hmm. the camera angle is, like, looking up at them while they're, like, oh. thrusting and licking the floor. And, you know, to me, that was just <laughs> crazy. But <laughs> but I rewound it and, you know, watched that quite a few times. <laughs>
0: I, I understand. Um, my first concert was a new edition with Bobby Brown and I'll be sure. So I was like 12 and it was at, uh, I'm from Nashville. So it was at the Gentry Center, which is a part of Tennessee State University. There were such a mix of people in the crowd, like young and old, not just as chaperones, but also There were a lot of older women who were there to see Bobby Brown because Bobby Brown was the bad boy of of that scene. Right. And he was always on stage humping and, you know, being real (laughs) nasty and stuff like that. So when you were at these concerts, were you also seeing older women who were there who were clearly maybe not really there for chaperone purposes? Were they also a part of like the fandom,
1: as far as you could tell, if you noticed? I don't, I, from what I remember, like the first time I went to an NSYNC concert, my mom took me and three of my friends. And I think the crowd for the most part was like people our age with like their parents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't, I don't remember a lot of like older women or older people there that were like there by themselves. But when Justin Timberlake went solo For the first time, my mom, again, (laughs) took me and my younger brother. And I remember that was a bit more mixed in terms of like the age demographics. Like there definitely were, um, you know, like 20 somethings or even like older women that were just there as a group together without any kids or like young people with them. Mm. Uh, okay. So
0: Sync was the band that kind of like solidified um, your boy band addiction. Were there any other bands after that, that you
1: really went up for? Um, I did like LFO, which is kind of embarrassing now. <laughs> 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 and they weren't a real boy band, but together. So MTV put out like a, a made for TV movie about like a a fake boy band called Together, but I guess people liked them so much that they ended up putting out a CD and other albums and they like went on tour.
0: Uh, I completely missed that.
1: Um, I did like 98 Degrees. Oh, right. Uh Uh-huh. That's the one with Nick Lachey. Yeah. Um, And O-Town. Oh, right. (laughs) O-Town. Yes.
0: I remember them. Well, I feel like O Town had a really nasty song too. Yeah, they did
1: Liquid Dreams. Yes. And again, I was like, "Oh, this is this is a cool song." And now I'm like, "What? Why was this like for little children?"
0: Okay. So, um and you talked about you ran some fan sites and you did fan fiction. What else did you do that kind that was emblematic of your stand-up?
1: I remember in it was either like fifth grade or early middle school. I definitely like got into little arguments or tiffs with other girls at school that, you know, were Backstreet Boy fans. Uh, so uh-huh. it was like <laughs> arguing on the playground about which band was better and who was the hottest member. Um <laughs> and you know, my room was like you couldn't see the, the the walls at all because I had like magazine cutouts, computer, like I you know, wasted all the computer ink, mm-hmm. um, printing out pictures and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just wall to wall covered with, with photos and stuff. Oh, I remember one time the local radio station had a, like, it was either a giveaway or some kind of contest. And, you know, back then when we had, you know, people had dial up
0: <laughs> you're
1: you'd get kicked off the, mm-hmm. <laughs> kicked off the line. If somebody picked up the phone. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> like, one of my parents being like really annoyed because I was hogging the phone line because I was trying to vote for whatever this radio station <laughs> concert was. I think it was like a trivia thing. But I remember what I won. It was a an NSYNC board game, which I never played. Do you still have it? <laughs> I think it's somewhere buried in my mom's garage. <laughs> I had one of the the bobbleheads too that they put out. Yeah, <laughs> I still have that. What else do you still have? What other memorabilia do you still have? Uh, I had one of those, I forget what they're called. It wasn't a G-Shock, but it was one of the watches where you like press the button on the side and it plays a little snippet of bye, bye, bye. And it has like them dancing on the screen. I still have that.
0: (laughs) I love it. That's so cute. Oh, okay. So at what point did you realize you had to kind of step away from being a boy band stan?
1: Probably the end of high school because that was when like pop punk and emo was getting really big mm-hmm. and being a teenager and everything. I had a lot of anxiety and was dealing with like depression and all that. So that music like didn't speak to me as much. And I was more interested in my chemical romance and taking back Sunday and saves the day and dashboard confessional. Mm-hmm. Um, like all those bands seemed to speak more to like what I was going through even though you know they're like all older tattooed white men and (laughs) (laughs) a mixed race girl from Connecticut um also in like pop culture during that time is when the whole boy band scene started to die out Mm -hmm. as well so it's kind of just like a natural progression from that sort of music into something a bit more like aggressive yeah I guess And it's, but when they have those um, reunion moments, because there was
0: wasn't there like a reunion tour where it was Backstreet Boys and NSYNC or something like that, not too long. I mean, like yeah, last... it was uh, Backstreet and New
1: Kids uh, on the Block,
0: right? Okay. So even though it wasn't NSYNC, do you feel drawn to those moments,
1: though? I do. I mean, I would if NSYNC decided to do a reunion tour, mm-hmm. I would go. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like no lie. I still like, you know, listen to some of their their stuff on Spotify when I'm feeling like nostalgic mm-hmm. and want to feel better <laughs> in a bad mood or whatever. But now that I'm older and can like reflect and my tastes have changed and also kind of gone back to things that I used to like, mm-hmm. um you know, I just associate that fandom with more so good times and like the innocence of youth and the pure fun and like devotion that comes with being really into boy bands at that age. Yeah, Um, what do you think being a fan taught you? I guess like the power of being a teenage girl in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like with pop music and boy bands and interests that are geared toward like young teen girls, it's always seen as something like frivolous or silly. But when you think about it, these fans like united and were able to put these boy bands on the map. And if you just look at like, the record sales alone of like NSYNC's albums, it's pretty amazing how wide their reach was and how popular they were. And I think that's due to the power of <laughs> teen girls being able to come together and unite. And
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I talk about this often, but, you know, I think about the trajectory of the Beatles and how, you know, mm-hmm. people were so dismissive of them because all these Teen girls were screaming and fainting and falling out and loving them. And now there's like 50, 60 year old men who are writing whole books about the power mm-hmm. of the Beatles and how they are the musical geniuses and how they change the trajectory of music. And there's documentaries about the Beatles and how they change the world. And it's always by men, written by men. You know, men are the ones who are just like, Beatles experts now, but it was teen girls who put them on the map. And it was teen Mm -hmm. girls who got them to the point to get people to have this kind of devotion towards them. So I think the same, I mean, I can't necessarily speak to, I don't know, maybe in 30 years, there will be like whole books and documentaries about in sync and how they changed <laughs> music or something like that, and it'll oh. be a bunch of men doing that.
1: But well, shout out to uh, Maria. her Yeah, her book Maria. Is being turned into the
0: doc. Yeah. Um. Yes. So uh, Vanessa and I met. When we were working at a streaming service, which we we will not name, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but we were working together at a streaming service. And one of our colleagues named Maria Sherman, who wrote a book called Larger Than Life, A History of Boy Bands, from New Kids on the Block to BTS. And that book did so well that it is now becoming, as a movie series or a limited series or something like that? I think so, yeah. It's going to be incredible because this is not something this is not my usual area of expertise cuz like i said once I, I got to a point where you know in sync and everything was blowing up i was not at the target audience um but i do remember cuz this was around the time everybody was still like using Napster and LimeWire and stuff like that Mm -hmm. to download illegally, of course, Um, (laughs) but to download stuff. And there was this one version of Gone by NSYNC that everybody was downloading that had someone's uh, AOL instant messenger um, chime (laughs) in it. I feel like it's like some sort of urban legend now, but it had the the little AOL chime in it from whoever had downloaded it. And it was just like, I thought that was a part of the song for like a very long time until I finally heard like the real version of it, like the album Mm -hmm. version and it did not have the chime in it. So I was like, oh, (laughs) but I still have that version somewhere that I still listen to uh, because gone, I think is like the only Song by NSYNC that I really know, other than like Bye Bye Bye, and maybe one of the other like super, super popular ones or whatever. But I don't know deep cuts for NSYNC. I don't know, like, I don't think I've ever listened to an album by the band. I listened to Justin Timberlake's um, first album. I think it's Justified. And I really like that. I think Justified was a great album. Word to Timberland, And it's such a good like house cleaning album, which sounds like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like a compliment, but it really is a compliment, you know, because anything that you could put on to clean your house that keeps you grooving, that keeps you like motivated and interested in, in what you're doing and, and just like physically present is great. So I will say Justin Timberlake, despite all of your Justin Timberlakeness now, (laughs) um, (laughs) Justify was a great album. So one of the things that you learned uh, from being a boy band fan is the power of teenage girls. And also you talked about the community and finding other people in your small town. What were some of the uh, less positive experiences of being in a fandom like that?
1: Um, you know, with like any fandom, it can get really toxic. And, you know, we talk about it a lot now with like parasocial relationships. And I guess that for fandoms or boy band fandoms back in that day, there are certainly people that like took it too far that <laughs> seemed to like believe that they could actually connect with these these singers and the obsession turned into something a bit more like negative and and sinister. And I feel like it, maybe it wasn't as bad because the internet was still in social media was still in its like early phases. But, you know, I definitely remember like being in those communities and people like personally attacking other people if they didn't agree with their opinion or, you know, stuff like that. Mm. Do you remember finding out the origin story of the
0: term Stan? Um, And and realizing, oh, shit, maybe this isn't very
1: complimentary (laughs) after all. (laughs) I don't remember when I found out, but when I did, I was like, oh, that makes sense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For anyone out there who doesn't know, Stan is the name of a song by Eminem And the video is, you know, pretty intense, but it's about a fan who writes Eminem um, these letters that get, uh, you know, progressively just... Unhinged. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, um, the letters get progressively violent and there's a lot of, like, threats against the letter writer, against Eminem, against the people that Eminem has talked about and that kind of thing. And, you know, it ends um, in a very dramatic and traumatic way. Now we have kind of defanged the point of the story of the song by calling everybody a stan. I mean, when we say stan now, we're still talking about someone who is a little unhinged and perhaps they're obsessive to the point of needing some authorities called. (laughs) Um, But but we also just kind of throw it out to mean fan in general or just someone who really, really likes something. Um, So I think about this because I was recently... I had stopped listening to one of my current favorites, uh, Hosier. And Mm -hmm. because I was like, just listening to him, I felt like too much. You know, And I was like, mm, am I obsessed with him? And then I just kind of stopped listening. Um, and I also found myself on social media ready to like jump into discussions with, you know, I would yeah. see stuff retweeted or shared or whatever. And I would be like, oh, I should jump in to defend him or mm-hmm. I should jump in to explain this situation or something like that. And I was like, that man does not need me to defend him. Like, this, you know, I, first of all, I am too old for this. And secondly, no, like that's just. <laughs> He'll be fine. But yeah, he's fine. Um, And so I wonder, was there a point for you that made you say, okay, maybe this is a little too much for me and I need to dial it back a little
1: bit. That is a good question. Well, I think, you know, when NSYNC broke up pretty much right after their third album. And that's when uh, JT went solo. So I think them breaking up definitely added to me losing interest. I guess it was just, you know, growing older and being able to like look at the obsessive, like crazy (laughs) behavior that I had and being like, wow, this is a lot of energy to be (laughs) putting into these people that don't even know me, will never know me. Like, you know, the only thing that I'm doing is making them richer by spending all this money on (laughs) concert tickets and paraphernalia. Um, So I guess it was just, you know, growing older and I don't want to say like getting wiser because that that took a while. Um, (laughs) But yeah, just getting older and having different interests and being able to step back and be like, yeah, I'm not really interested in this anymore because it's not really doing anything Mm. for me yeah uh did you have a favorite in sync? oh my god my parents still make fun of me for this but I I was obsessed with Lance Bass Um, wow that's not what I would have thought I know (laughs) (laughs) and then after that was JC but Mm. I was I was a Lance fan through and through what was it about Lance I think you know he was like (laughs) non-threatening yeah he was the quiet one right (laughs) yeah yeah mm -hmm. he was like the nice like you know sweet like respectful well-mannered one that was like very non-threatening and like you could take him home to your parents and he'd be like very polite um so I think that that appealed to me as somebody that was like also very introverted and like shy and you know I had a lot of crushes but I was like way too shy and timid to like actually say anything or, like, speak to these boys. Mm. (laughs) So with, like, having that, like, obsession with NSYNC and Lance was a bit easier than having to talk to or approach boys and in real life. (laughs) I understand that. Uh, So uh, again, I am really aging
0: myself, but when I was younger, my sister and I used to watch reruns of the show called the monkeys, which was uh, right. You know, it was um, Mm a parody band, kind of making fun of the Beatles. And, and there was this tall guy named Peter in the band and he had like this bowl haircut he was blonde he was tall but he was also a little you know maybe not the the brightest bulb mm-hmm. <laughs> in the in the lamp <laughs> um but i loved him like he was my favorite like everyone loved davy who uh davy jones mm-hmm. who was the british guy he was short my sister loved him cuz she said he had very kissable lips she loved davy <laughs> and then there was uh Mickey, the drummer, and then there was Oh Frick, the other the other guy who sang a lot, and like his mom invented white out. I can't remember his what? name. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he was the one who would do most of the singing. He he did uh he sang the last train to Clarksville and all that kind of stuff. I can't remember his name. Oh my god. Um, anyway, but everybody loved them. You know, they loved Mickey. Mickey was like the wild one. Uh, also, he mm-hmm. played the drums. Right, everybody loves the drummer. But Peter was my guy because he was quiet and he was just looked like he just needed somebody to like hold his hand and take him around a little bit, (laughs) you know, and I love that. I love that uh, about him. So I completely understand why Lance was it for you. Um, But I also understand why you eventually went to J.C., because mm-hmm. <laughs> even though, <laughs> again, Insync wasn't my thing, JC was. So I was like, oh, wh- why can't we get JC to blow up? There is a song that he has that was never released that I love. And I lo- go back to uh, YouTube all the time to listen to it because mm-hmm. it's so sweet and soft. He really
1: did have the best voice, I think, out of all he of them. He did. JC, you ruined me
0: that is oh,
1: oh I remember that one. Oh my god yes I
0: love that song so much it's so beautiful it's so sweet I'm just like I want someone to sing that to me at our wedding or something I don't know <laughs> like actually I don't want my my groom to sing to me at all because I, I would be so embarrassed um <laughs> I mean I, you know like in private but not in public but yeah. anyway JC I need you to put that album out and <laughs> then I need you to like put out another album of just actual goodness. Yeah. How do you apply like now as an adult and you are writing and and fully immersed in culture? How do you think being a boy band fan has influenced your career and what you do and also how you approach your passions in life?
1: Well, I guess maybe in a way it's allowed me to have a little bit more empathy for you know, people that are are fans of these, whether it be like a singer or an actor coming from somebody that's like a reformed boy band stand, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. able to have a little bit more like empathy for people on the other side of that equation. But in terms of like my actual writing career, I think it's just really influenced me to pursue topics and subjects that I'm like fully invested in. Because I'm sure, you know, as a writer, like writing about things that you don't care about or (laughs) don't have any interest in. It's not fun. It's not going to make the writing process fun. And you're not going to really learn much about yourself as a writer either. So I think just in general, it's pushed me to always explore things that I'm interested in and, you know, work on projects, especially now that I'm older, like really take on things that I'm fully invested in because I know if I take on something that I actually don't care about, it's just going to be like a painful process to get through. And, you know, nobody has time for that anymore. (laughs) Like (laughs) do the things that you want to do. Yes, absolutely.
0: That is part of our whole mission here at This Is Good For You. Do the things that you want to do, that you have passion for. Um, Mm -hmm. And what would you say to anyone who is maybe worried a little bit about how attached they are to (laughs) a certain celebrity or a certain artist or anything like that?
1: You know, if you're really that worried that you're becoming too obsessed, just close the laptop and and take a break, you know, (laughs) you know, find other hobbies or interests that you could probably like re pivot to or refocus your attention to, but I guess you would also need the, like the self-awareness, right. To mm-hmm. understand like, Hey, I think I'm getting like way too deep. It's affecting my actual life, but <laughs> mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, I think these like fandom is, is harmless for the most part. And we live mm-hmm. in a pretty like shitty world. So if you have an outlet or someplace where you can just have that that joy, then I would say keep keep at it. Like don't detach from it if it's something that can provide some sort of like escape or relief from how horrible
0: <laughs> everything <laughs> else is. And is there a holy grail in sync fandom item that you wanted when you were younger? And if you saw it on Ebay or Etsy, right now you would empty your account to get.
1: It's hard for me to say because I had <laughs> so much of that stuff already. Like I had the bobbleheads, I had mm-hmm. that watch. um I still have like my concert T-shirts from mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Actually, made my my boyfriend wear it out when we went to smorgasbord. <laughs> <laughs> really gonna hate that I said this but (laughs) (laughs) there's photographic (laughs) evidence so he can't deny it um yeah I can't I can't think of any like big ticket things that I I wanted that I didn't have I feel like they had they put out dolls at one point so I'll say that okay I never had I never had the dolls
0: okay and would you go to like if they did the whole like Vegas residency thing would you go
1: oh for sure I would be there I would go (laughs) (laughs) it would be a good time I think (laughs)
0: yeah excellent thank you so much Vanessa for joining me today um where can we find you online if you want us to find you (laughs)
1: Um, you can find my writing, um, at bitch media, RIP, but Mm -hmm. I have, I, you know, I have a lot of writing, um, that I did with them. I write for book page so you can see my reviews there and still working on like freelance stuff, but I'm around. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: Excellent. We'll we'll put your link in the um, description so people can get to you. Thank you so much for talking to me today about being a boy band fan. Thank you. It's time for today's indulgence. Something you can enjoy fully from top to bottom with no shame because we do not do guilty pleasures here. Today, I'm going to recommend being a digital tourist. Travel the world through all of your devices. Now, I know at the beginning of this episode, I talked about taking a break from social media, but just, just stick with me here, okay? I'm trying to figure out my next travel destination. A while ago, my friend Mickey, hey, Mickey girl, She brought up the idea of taking a vacation every quarter and I latched onto it. I love that idea. I'm single and child-free. I can go anywhere I want to go. So why not? Oh, right. That takes money. (laughs) Money I don't have most of the time. I freelance. I'm self-employed. There are a lot of lean times. Sometimes there's a feast and sometimes it's tuna and townhouse crackers. So what's the girl to do? I hit those hashtags, baby. Hashtag visit Scotland. Hashtag visit Senegal. Hashtag visit Brazil. Visit Dominica. Visit Romania. I saw this cute video on TikTok of this cat walking on a fence on the french countryside and there was like this beautiful french music playing of course and i was like oh that looks so beautiful and i downloaded it and i go back to it often it's only like 15 seconds if that probably just 10 but it's so peaceful it's so beautiful and i'm just like wow that's amazing i also follow this guy who is a tour guide in scotland and he posts drone footage of puffins on this little island i don't even know where this place is You know, and you know, I don't like birds, but these little puffins, they're so magical looking. And I'm there and it's like, I'm no longer in Brooklyn. I'm no longer in the States. I'm on these rocks with these beautiful, colorful puffins. Also, they're like cooking videos from around the world that I watch, you know, people cooking the foods of their cultures. And I'm just like, yes, I want that. It's just me touring these places that I may never get to, but I can't from my phone. Now, I will admit that clicking those different hashtags and social media accounts can become like a tool of procrastination. And it can be really easy to make yourself a little sad thinking about how you may not ever get to those places. But it's also a really fun way to travel the world from your couch. And it's not just the hashtags and the travel influencers that you can follow. So many museums have virtual exhibits that you can scroll through. There are also natural landmarks that you can walk through from the convenience of your phone or your computer. Technology has become like a blessing and a curse for the most part. But with most things, it really is a matter of being responsible and like putting yourself maybe like on a little time limit to make sure that you don't lose yourself completely. Be a digital tourist. Visit the places you've always wanted to see or use those virtual destinations as a way of planning your dream trip. Technology has made our world smaller, so we should take advantage of that. So let's go see if they've cleaned all the cake off the Mona Lisa without the crowds and without the expense. This has been your indulgence. You have been absolved. This is Good For You is hosted by me, Nicole Perkins, and produced by Multitude. Our lead producer is Eric Silver, our editor is Misha Stanton, and our executive producers are Amanda McLaughlin and me. Our theme was created by Don Will, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. You can follow the show at This Is Good Pod, and you can follow me at Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's T N, whiskey with an E, woman. And a huge, huge thank you to everyone who supports the show on Patreon, especially to our supporting producer-level patrons Chelsea, Conchetta, Courtney, Elizabeth, and Mira. To get exclusive rewards like stickers, monthly playlists curated by me, and even custom drabbles written just for you, join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash thisisgoodpod. This was good for me. Was it good for you?